Deuteronomy chapter 5, please. And just let your eye run down for time's sake to verse 6, and we'll read from there. I am the Lord thy God, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in earth beneath, or that is in the waters beneath the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself unto them, nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me, and showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. For the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. Keep the Sabbath day to sanctify it. As the Lord thy God hath commanded thee, six days thou shalt labor and do all thy work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt do not do any work. Thou, nor thy son, nor thy daughter, nor thy manservants, nor thy maidservants, nor thy ox, nor thy ass, nor any of thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is in thy gates, that thy manservant and thy maidservants may rest as well as thou. And remember, and remember, that thou wast a servant in the land of Egypt, and that the Lord thy God brought thee out thence through a mighty hand, And by a stretched out arm, therefore the Lord thy God commanded thee to keep the Sabbath day. Father, thank you for everyone you've brought this morning. Will you bless them? Will you help them? Will you instruct them? Will you guide them? Will you lead them on? Will you give them grace? Will you give them courage where courage is needed? And Father, I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray in that marvelous and wonderful, most precious, holy and mighty name, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts anew and fresh this morning and that your people, Lord, will say, as we leave here, it was good for us to be here. For it was here that we met with the Lord. Surely this is the gate of heaven to our souls. Thank you for the precious blood of Jesus. Thank you for the righteousness he gives. We thank you this morning, Lord, that we're in your presence. Glorify your name. For his sake we ask it. Amen. Notice here, the Lord says in verse 15, and remember that thou wast a servant in the land of Egypt, and that the Lord thy God brought thee out thence through a mighty hand and by a stretched out arm. Therefore the Lord thy God commanded thee to keep the Sabbath. We've been looking at, I think this is our third week of Remember Me. Remember Me. First week was how you and I love him to remember us. How blessed we are. Last week we looked at how God says then, in these remembrances you're remembering me. So it's okay when we ask God, and it's a blessing when we ask God to remember us and to know that the Lord never forgets, but that he remembers us when we need him 
in the sense that he comes to bless us and to encourage us and strengthen us. But this morning, as we look at this for part three, and remember that thou wast a servant in the land of Egypt, when we're coming up to this, what we're finding here in Deuteronomy chapter five is the Lord is giving the Ten Commandments, starting with thou shalt worship and love, that is the Lord thy God. Make no graven image uh, uh, that is in the land or the sea and worship them nor fall down before them. And then it is take, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. And the fourth one is remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Notice, to keep it holy. It's not remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy day or holy day. It is remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Now we want to look at this because in this, God is bringing Israel out of Egypt. God has brought them out and he's showing them this is who you were. You were in bondage. You were in servitude. You were entangled. You were enslaved. And I brought you out. I delivered you. And he's showing us here how he wants us that, that he wants us to have a day of rest. But it's not just a day of rest. He wants us to worship him. As a congregational, it's meant to be national, by the way. Our nation should be shutting down. And we're going to look at Sabbath for a minute, but not much. Our nation should be keeping one day on seven before the Lord. And he says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. I still believe the shops should be shut on a Sabbath day or on a Lord's day, as I'm going to show you. I believe that the shops should be shut. And that's why you're having young people now, they can't even get to their church and they're falling away from Christ because they're not getting out to their place of worship, because they're not getting among Christians together. And I'm finding this is more and more, to me, it is a ploy of the devil, of the enemy in our nation and in our land to weaken the Christian faith. It's another avenue. And so we're finding that young people, any other people, older people, cannot have that day away. I understand emergency services and doctors and nurses and that sort of stuff, that sort of people, they need to be on hand. But notice this, Deuteronomy chapter 5, the Lord says it's a Sabbath day or a rest day, but it's a worship day. It's a worship day. And the idea is you don't take the name of the Lord your God in vain is when you, he said to Israel, when you take my name, live up to my name. That's what it means. Live up to my name. A testimony that you are mine. And now whenever Britain was keeping a, a one day a week unto the Lord, the Lord was blessing them. Lord blessed them in every way and in every venture, in every avenue. They became a great empire. Then built a commonwealth. And now they're shrinking to almost nothing because they have taken, taken away the one day a week And it does not sanctify us as a nation anymore before God. But rather, uh, the the Lord's day is like every other day. In fact, sometimes I'm told, not that I'm there, but I'm told that, oh, the shops were packed on the Lord's day. Brother, how do you know that? Sister, how do you know that? I remember uh, one of my family used to say to me, Go up to those car boot sales every Saturday, or pardon me, every Sunday. And so praise you, says like, it's amazing. He says like, is anybody going to church anymore? And I go, hello? You're there. 
you're there. Here we find that the Lord had not only set a Sabbath day or a rest day for Israel, but the Lord had also set out festivals, Hebrew festivals, for remembrance throughout the year. For example, there was Passover, speaks of Calvary. There was on the Feast of Unleavened Bread, speaks of the leaven in most, almost all terms in the New Testament of, of false doctrine. And what it was, he brushed out all the, all, the, all the leaven to get it out of the house, make the house clean for that time. And what it was is to remind ourselves that Israel were brought out with unleavened bread to speak of the swiftness with their shoes and their feet, leaving the old world and sin behind. That's when they're coming out of Egypt. The Feast of Unleavened Bread, you know what that is? That is the Lord Jesus Christ being buried in the ground, carrying our sins away from us on the tree and taking them away to the tomb. Then there was the, the first fruits, which was speaking of the, the first of the harvest, which was the resurrection. Christ was raised from the dead. Then there was Pentecost, meaning 50. And here it speaks of the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. And then, of course, there's the Feast of Trumpets. All of these deserve a study in themselves. Maybe we'll do that sometime. The Feast of Trumpets speaks of the trumpet blasting and Christ returning. of the second coming. And then there was the Day of Atonement. The Day of Judgment. Under the blood, you were safe. Like we're under the blood, on that day we'll be safe. It's a day of atonement or judgment. And then there were the Feast of Tabernacles. And of course, that speaks of God tabernacled in the flesh of his Son as walking among us in the glorious kingdom of God. God is tabernacled among men, it says in the book of Revelation. All of these in Christ. Now, I have friends who actually still keep these throughout the year in the States. I don't see the need to keep them. If they keep them, I don't fall out with them over it. And also they keep a Saturday for the Sabbath rather than a Sunday. I personally don't have a problem with that. But I'm going to look at why we keep a Sunday. People say, well, it's a Sunday was changed by Constantine. Others say, well, it was changed um, uh, uh, by, by the Roman Catholic Church and I know all of those things and so I'm sure there's some people who'll watch this later uh, maybe from somewhere else and they'll try and send me messages to teach me I know all about it so I don't need to know it what I'm saying is I'm showing you we don't want to go in depth about it I want to show you more the spirit of it rather than the law of it and that's the problem there's so many people so many men are, are, are caught up with the law of the letter rather than the spirit of the letter it's the spirit of it. So in Deuteronomy 5, we see in verse 14 that God says, no work should take place. And then in verse, pardon me, verse 14, and then in verse 15, remember that thou wast a servant in the land of Egypt. So what are we to remember here? You're to remember your redemption. Remember you were brought out from Egypt, he says. Remember you're brought out from the world. Remember you're brought out. Remember, brother, sister, you were saved. How are we saved? Under the blood. The blood of the Lamb. The blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're to remember, that's why we gather around the table on a Sunday morning. This church should be packed with believers. I mean, we're 
filled like, but it should be packed with those who aren't here, who could be here. As people can't be for one reason or another. Some are away in Poland today and others are away somewhere else and some are ill. But nevertheless, when we're home, the table should be the place where it's packed on a Sunday morning. Why? To remember thou wast a bond man, to remember thou wast a bond woman in the land of Egypt or in the world, and the Lord redeemed thee. The Lord brought you out. He brought you out high through the precious blood of the Lamb, the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the most important place of all of your week. Brothers and sisters, listen. This table, under the word, that's why the table is there, and the bread is there, and the wine is there, or the juices we use is there, and the word is here. It's the word and the bread. It's the blood and the book. That's what this represents when you come in here. And as you feasting on it, listen, remembering that you were brought out by the blood of the Lamb, the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's what it was to remind Israel and every one of us as believers in the Lord Jesus. Here's what it should remind us. It should remind us that they were slaves. They needed delivered and they couldn't deliver themselves. So it should remind God of their inability. It should remind us of our inability and God's ability. Their inability and God's inability. Your inability and God's ability. It shows uh, our weaknesses and his strength. It typifies that they contributed nothing to their release and redemption and salvation. And it was God that did everything. This is what this is about. This is the spirit of it. And of course, it proves that salvation is off the Lord. Salvation is off the Lord. It speaks of the inactive man, dead, couldn't help themselves. They were in servitude and slavery, inactive man, and it shows it's an act of God. What is the table this morning? He's saying, remember, you were a born man. You were a born lady. You were a servant to Pharaoh the devil in the world, which was Egypt. And he's saying, speaking in a spiritual context now, and he's saying, you couldn't help yourself nor save yourself, but you were brought out with your inability and your weaknesses. And he says, my ability and my strength, it was a sovereign act of God that you're saved this morning. It's a sovereign act of the sovereign will of a sovereign God that we're all here this morning. And you're not here by accident because the sovereign God has placed it on your heart to be here. Notice why, because we could take the reading, we'll not go into it, you can write it down and read all of it. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 29, there's a little line there. It speaks about the weak and the base and the foolish things hath God chosen to confound the wise and so on. Why? Verse 29 of 1 Corinthians 1, that no flesh should glory in his presence. No flesh should glory in his presence. Not one of us will be able to glory. Not one of us have anything to glory in but the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ and all that he's done for us. And so here the idea is is rest. Why? Is it because God needs rest? Absolutely not. His strength never wanes nor abates. But the idea of this is, is for you to remember not just for rest for yourself, for your body, but also to feed your soul and your spirit and for you to worship him 
It's a holy day. All day, by the way, is a holy day. Will you turn with me to Exodus chapter 20? You notice here he's given out the commandments. And now Exodus 20, please. Let's just go to verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work, thou nor thy son nor thy daughter nor thy thy manservant nor thy maidservant nor thy cattle nor thy stranger that is within thy gates. Notice this, for in six days the Lord made heaven and earth the sea and all in them is, that in them is, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath and hallowed it. Notice now we're going further back to creation. To creation. For example, from Adam, from Adam man, until now, it's approximately 6,000 years. Isn't that right? That's six days. A day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. So we take six days of creation. On the seventh, God called the Sabbath, or he rested. It means he ceased that work on the seventh. That's the Sabbath day. So what he's doing is bringing us right back to the Sabbath, or the seventh day, which would be really our Saturday. Now, when people really want to get into the nitty-gritty of it and they say, oh, it has to be the Saturday, it has to be the Saturday, well, in that, you're worshipping a, a, a pagan day, a Sunday is a sun god. Well, Saturday is also pagan too. Saturn is the same day. So you can't have it both ways. But notice this. God has gone back to creation. Six prophetic days was 6,000 years from Adam until now, approximately. And when Christ returns again, he's coming to set up his millennial kingdom, 1,000 years. And what is that? That is the Sabbath of 1,000 years. That is the rest day, the rest of a prophetic day. That's why I believe the millennial has not started yet. Some believe it started at Calvary and it's not a thousand years but a period of time. I believe it's yet to come when Christ returns. I believe when Christ returns, that's our rest. When the believers, that is, the blood washed, we will be changed. And what will you be rested from? From your vile body. You might be beautiful. And you might look even better when you put on the, the, the floor bag, as our pastor used to call it. And the dolly die, as he used to call it. And you put your tie on, brother, and you get a shave. Or maybe you don't get a shave and you don't wear a tie, but either way. And you might be more presentable, but our bodies are called vile bodies. And he's going to change our bodies to be like unto his own glorious body. And there's the fullness of our Sabbath, spirit, soul, and body. Full rest from all the pains and the aches and, the re- and rest from the temptations of, that, that would draw our flesh and the weaknesses of our flesh. So you can see six prophetic days is, is now and Christ is returning for the Sabbath day, as it were, in his kingdom. What happens after the millennial reign 
I'm going to have to teach on another time. After the millennial reign is the great white throne judgment. After the great white throne judgment, the, uh, uh, the book of Corinthians, 1 Corinthians tells us that Christ will hand the kingdom over to his father. So God will be in all, through all. There will be a new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. What is that? That is the eighth day. The final rest. No time, fullness of eternity. And what does that mean? It's really the first day again. In Adam, all sinned. In Christ, all in Christ shall be made alive. In Adam, we all died. In Christ, we all be made alive. In Adam, in the Garden of Eden, paradise was lost. In Christ, paradise is regained. It's our Sabbath. It's our rest. Is everybody with me okay? And he wants you to remember the Sabbath night. It's the practice for what lies ahead. It's for what lies ahead. So, we have the Sabbath remembered, and we are to remember it. We have also uh, how he brought us out and saved us, and that also is in our rest. Sabbath means just rest. So here's some scriptures for you. Instead of you rushing to turn them over, you can maybe jot them down. And if you keep up, that's fine. But why do we worship then on a Sunday? If the Sabbath is a Saturday, by the way, the Sabbath is a Saturday. Then why do we worship on a Sunday? Taken from what I told you, 6,000 years, Christ returns 7 into number 8. Okay? Or the first day of the week again. So taking it in, in that context, when the Lord Jesus ascended into heaven, the, the, the disciples, now the apostles, still went on the Sabbath to the temple and taught the word. They still went and actually fellowshiped there to teach the word. But they met on the first day of the week. When the temple was destroyed in AD 70, there was no Sabbath there for them to do that they continued on in the first day of the week. For example, in Acts chapter 20 and in verse 7, it says, Upon the first day of the week, when the disciples came to gather to break bread, Paul preached unto them. So what is the first day of the week? We have the six days of labor. The seventh, which would be, as it were, our Saturday, which they called Sabbath, or which we call a Noah's Sabbath too, the eighth day would be the first day again. So on the first day of the week, that is 6,000 years, millennial reign, into eternity. Can you see it now? So now on the first day of the week, the disciples met together to break bread. That's our Sunday. That's our Sunday. And Paul preached unto them. 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse 2. Upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store as God has prospered him. And here we're told again, you're meeting on the first day of the week, which is today, the Sunday. John chapter 20 and verse 1. The first day of the week cometh Mary Magdalene to the tomb, to the sepulchre. Mary Magdalene came to see Jesus to... Remember, it was over that Passover weekend. And Mary Magdalene came to the, the very sepulchre. And what happened? Christ was raised from the dead. He wasn't there. That was the first day of the week. Acts chapter 2 
again, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit was after the Sabbath, the Holy Spirit is poured out upon the church. And it's the first day of the week. Well, how do you know? Because you have to remember there are days that it's, we usually go, but there's a night and the day, that's the first day. But it's not. In the scriptures, it says the evening and the morning are the first day. The evening is first. So that's why we say 2 o'clock in the morning, but yet it's dark outside. It's 2 a.m., 3 a.m., it's dark outside, but it's morning. But we all think in our head it's nighttime and then daytime. It's not. It's evening, nighttime, and then into daytime. That's the first day. And so whenever we are looking at this, we have to see how Mary Magdalene came early in the morning while it was still dark. And the, uh, the sun starts to rise as Mary Magdalene comes and finds Christ. Isn't he's, he's risen on the first day of the week. The Holy Ghost is poured out on the first day of the week. How do you know? Because they come out and people uh, seen them all coming out as if they were drunk. Thought they were on the wine. They thought they had a wee, wee lock-in session on the vino. But they were filled with the Holy Ghost. And they're speaking with other tongues as the Spirit gives them utterance. And, 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 and people were saying, look at these people, I'm paraphrasing, they're drunk. And what did Peter say? These be not drunk. It's only, well, I'll give our time. It's nine o'clock in the morning. It was only nine o'clock in the morning. What time was it? It was the time whenever Christ would go to the cross. It's the third hour of the day. Which was the first day of the week. In Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 9 then tells us, There remaineth therefore a rest for the people of God. A rest for the people of God. Referring back to his eternal kingdom that's coming. And it's a rest from law works. The law for salvation. Where we're tired and we're weary of it. He says no, there's a, there's a rest coming. There's completeness from away from the flesh. And the works of the flesh. There's a, a law the law is written in our hearts, but we get the spirit of the law. And it's coming and Christ returns. He's given us rest. He is our rest. So remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. The Sabbath day was for separation and consecration unto the Lord. I believe today that if Britain... If the United Kingdom would separate one day, they talk about we couldn't financially afford it. I believe we financially can't afford not to. In Exodus 20, verse 40, so let me see if I can find it. Actually, it isn't because verse 40 isn't there. Pardon me. It's Sorry, it's a book of numbers. Sorry, I didn't see it there. Numbers, please. Uh, chapter 15. Chapter 15. Verse 37. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and bid them that, make, that they make them fringes in the borders of their garments throughout the generations, and that they put upon the fringe of their borders of blue, a blue ribbon. And it shall be unto you for a fringe that ye may look upon it and remember all the commandments of the Lord and do them. And that ye seek not after your own heart. Notice, ye seek not after your own heart and your own eyes after which ye use to go a whoring. 
that ye may remember and do all my commandments and be holy unto the Lord your God. So the Lord is saying here, you're remembering the Sabbath, but remember them all. So now, when the temple is gone, we're worshiping in the first day. Now the Lord is saying, you're going to remember, but we have what? We have fickle minds, don't we? We have, we, we're forgetful. If you're anything like me, I come out, of, uh, I come out the other day and I was, I was with you here, Friday. And I come out into the street and I'm walking up the street and I stopped and I went. He's, and Arne says, what, what, what's wrong with me? And I says, I can't remember where my car is. <laughs> I do it all the time. I walk around, I do a hospital visit. I walk around doing that with a wee bleeper. In all the car parks, they'll find it. Can't remember. For some reason, just I lose it all the time. We have feeble and fickle minds that cannot remember. It's a weakness of ours. But God's remembrance, if you remember part one, is that means he has you before him all the time. It's always there. He doesn't forget. And so here he's telling us that you may remember in verse 40 and do all my commandments and be holy unto your God. And we would say, Lord, how do we remember these things? We know the word of God should be written in our hearts. And the spirit of God should show us the way. So let's just look at something else that would remind us, remind Israel. I'm going to to show you what I have used at times when I've been feeling weak or I've been feeling weary or anxious or stressed, or fretful, or, or, or in mourning, or whatever. And I'm going, where are you, Lord? Has anybody been there before? I want you to try and remember this. I'm going to do this one point, and what, that's what's finished for today. Notice verse 37. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and bid them that they make fringes, in the borders of their garments throughout their generations. Notice, one generation after another. And that they put upon the fringe of the borders a ribbon of blue. See, when I read that, you know what it made me think of? Remember the wee biscuits you used to get? Do you remember the blue ribbon biscuits? Remember those? We wafer chocolate biscuits. You used to take it with a cup of, they were lovely, weren't they? Really? That's what I thought of when I was reading that. Notice here he says, Blue. Now, why blue? And what's, why that color? Why, what's it got to do with anything? Well, remember, there was blue in the curtains of the tabernacle. When they looked at that, some 80-foot curtain, they could see it for miles. When they looked at that, that blue spoke of something. I'll show you in a minute. The blue in the curtain, 80 foot high, like what, nine stories tall or so? Spoke of something to them, reminded them of something. And then the high priest, when he went into the holy place, had blue on his garments. Reminded him of something. It reminded them who they belonged to. They would be called the remembrance of who they belonged to. Exodus 24, please. I'm going to show you what this blue really would uh, do for them. Exodus 24. That's just left one verse for, for time's sake. And it says, And they saw the God of Israel. Exodus 24 is verse 10. And they saw the God 
of Israel. Notice, and there was under his feet, as it were, a paved work of sapphire stone, and as it were, the body of heaven in its clearness. See the word sapphire there? If you have your pen, you want to be reminded of something, write blue under there. Blue. Here, Moses, in the vision of the Lord, he sees like a pavework under his feet in the, in the vision or the sky of blue, sapphire stone of blue. Uh, there's a similar one in the book of Ezekiel, chapter 1 and verse 26, where there's a crystal clear river and there's a blue sapphire firmament and a throne there. Same pattern going through was to remind them of something. And again, you see something similar in Revelation chapter 4 and verse 6. Now go with me to Numbers 15. Numbers 15. And verse 39. So this ribbon of blue, it's in the tabernacle curtains, it's on the garments of the high priest, it's on their clothes, that you may look unto Pardon me, and it shall be unto you for a fringe that you may look upon it and remember all the commandments of the Lord and do them. Notice here, the Lord says, every time you see this ribbon of blue on your garments, it will remind you about the commandments of the Lord. You know what the Lord's saying? Remember me. Remember me. You know what he said in the Lord's day? The first day of the week now that we worship in, remember me. Church, he says, remember me. Do you know when you say, half a day does you, Lord? You know, he says, it's my day, remember me. We don't need to be even at a gospel meeting. He says, right, remember me. Remember me, it's my day, it's not yours. It says in verse 39 that you may look upon it and remember all the commandments of the Lord and do them. Live up to my name. Don't take the name of the Lord in vain. Don't bow down to idols. You see, you and I could go, oh, we wouldn't bow down to idols. Oh, well, that's all their religions and that's even the Roman Catholic Church and all. And that's true. Bowing down to idols. But we also bow down to idols of our mind. We bow down to idols of our sport, idols of our work. Idols on our home, idols of our finance, idols of all sorts of things. Placing them in the place of God, they become the second commandment rather than the Lord's commandment. The first one is, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God. And every one of us fail at that, don't we? Why don't you pray and say, Lord, help me to love you more. How weak are we that we need him to help us to love him? How weak is that? Taking the name of the Lord thy God in vain, not living up to his name, not just about the, uh, using his name flippantly. It's really taking on his name and not living up to his name. And the fourth commandment, remember the Sabbath day, the rest day, to keep it holy. Then he goes in to remember, and he says, to remember all the commandments of the Lord, notice, and do them. I know people say, oh, commandments are all done away with. Well then, 
if the moral commandments are done away with, the Ten Commandments, in other words, which we're on and we're speaking about, does that mean then I can go and rob you of all your money? Can I go and break into your house and steal everything you have? Because we're all under grace. Does that mean a man can come and take your wife, brother? Sister, uh, 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 does that mean that a woman can come and take your husband? And It's all right because it's all morally, socially acceptable. Does that mean every sin can be brought out and allowed in the land because it's all morally, socially acceptable? See, that's the problem. They've, they've taken the Ten Commandments, they twisted them until no one believed them, then they put them out and no one misses them. And now in our land, in society, and in church, in the church house, it's the same. And the Lord says, you remember my commandments and do them. Not for salvation, by the way. Not for salvation, but sanctification. Because you love him. Then we sing it, I will serve thee. Because I love thee, you have given life to me. And that's why we love him. We serve him because we love him. It's not out of some other uh, form of slavery like Egypt or, or, or the world was to us. It's out of love for Christ that we serve him. I notice this as we round this up. Numbers fifteen thirty nine. That you may look upon it. Notice you may look upon it so when you see it and remember all the commandments of the Lord and do them. Notice, and that you seek not after your own heart. It's what I want. It's what I need. It's what I desire. It's what I deserve. See, the world has it all now. It's about me, myself, and I. It's about feeding the flesh. It's about doing that which is right in your own eyes. And the Lord is saying, no, that's not what you do. It's about the church saying, uh, uh, and the people outside. Now, even in the church, they're saying, you know, all of these things don't matter anymore. I heard of someone the other week had to more or less get out as soon as they could out of the church where uh, some minister stood up and he says, look, he says, We're all, we all sin. And he's true. That's true. That's true. But you know what? I'll just use, it wasn't any of you, so I'll just say on this, but, you know, just you go out drinking. And that's okay if you do that. Because, but don't you look at her bad because she goes out drinking. Because I know what you get up to. And you know what you get up to. And that's okay before God. You can do that. And, and he went around to people like this. Everyone, so we're just all under grace. You see, that's what happens when you take the moral law, law of God out of our hearts and out of our midst. And he says, I want you to remember this. He says, I'm your Lord. Remember my commandments and do them. He says, not that you seek not after your own heart and your own eyes. You know where he's referring to? The Garden of Eden? Eve saw that which was looked good to the eyes. After which you used to go a whoring. He says, you're lustful after it. Brother, sister, uh, we all, even as the pastor said this morning, he didn't know any of this, and I didn't know he was going to bring that this morning. But even around the table when he did mention about the altars that we have built that are not of God, it's time to tear those altars down because this is the only altar here. The cross work of Christ. And I know people may say, you know, pastor's always going on there about keeping right and living right and doing right and serving the Lord and loving him and going on. And, you know, we'll keep on doing that. 
we will keep doing that. It's, it's because we love you. You see, the Israelite, when tempted to sin, you and I, when we're tempted to sin, when we're tempted to break God's law, for sin is a transgression of the law. When he would catch sight of the blue ribbon, when he had catch sight on his garment, or even if he's seen it in Jerusalem on the, the curtain in the temple, or on the tabernacle, in one sense, a conviction of God would come to his heart because the blue represented God said, remember the commandments. And maybe he goes to steal and the blue's in his garment. God's here. God's with you. God's watching. God knows. The omniscient, 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 omnipresent. God, the omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent God. The blue would go, he would see and he remember, not there's anything in the ribbon. There's no power or, or quality of spirituality in the ribbon, but it brought to memory. There's a God in heaven that revealeth secrets. And it brings him to his memory and he goes to steal. He goes, oh God, forgive me. Or he stole and he takes it back. Or he goes to hurt and he goes to, to, to murder or he goes to, to, to fornicate and, or to commit adultery. And he, he, he's just about there and he's getting carried away with his, with his fleshy, human, manly impulses. And instead of him being able to hold his own self, he realizes the weakness of his flesh. He sees the blue in the garment and he realizes there's a God who sees me. And that's what we have forgotten, brothers and sisters. That's what the church has forgotten when they're sitting in the nightclubs on a Saturday night and coming to break bread on a Sunday morning. God's seen you with the unsaved. God's seen you with those who are out of their head and drinking drugs. God's seen you up on the dance floor dancing to the worldly music and yet some come into church and they've got a stiff neck and a hardened heart. You come here, some are all holy. I see you. Some are spewing out stories and lies and, and blasphemies and coming to church. I'm not saying any of you now. You know, you would do it. And they come gliding into church, wafting in, and, and the, you're waiting on the music starting to play behind them. God says, I have seen you. I know your very thoughts. They go to stay. They go to do whatever. They go to commit adultery with a man's wife or a woman's, uh, another woman's husband or they go and do these things and, and they see the ribbon of blue. God! Convicts their heart. Father, forgive me. Forgive me. On the other side... They're feeling weak. And they're feeling low. Feeling maybe down. They're feeling like they're worthless. And they can't go on. And they feel useless and helpless. Afraid and anxious and worried. 
and frightened and scared and, and all of these things. And, and we all feel all of those emotions at times and all of those things come upon us. And you're saying, you're maybe mourning in your heart or, or, or you're just hurting from something and you're saying, Lord, I'm disappointed. I'm disillusioned. Where are you? And they'd have seen the blue in their garment. And they says, oh, you're still on the throne. You're still God in the heavens. The God who's seen me there, even up to my wrongs, is a God who's here to help me now. And brothers and sisters, the God who sees us in our sin and in our failings and in our faults and fallings, he's still the God who loves you. And he says, remember me. He says, you may remember me what you did. He says, but I still love you. I want you to remember that. I want you to remember that. So we'll finish with this because of quite a lot on that. Quite a lot on that. There should be a note of caution with this. People can take it as what's been called hyper grace. Just live how you like then. Or it can be the other way. That religious spirit where I know how to cross the T's and dot the I's and I can argue with you until you get tired of it. And I'll always be right. You ever met them? I don't even argue anymore. I just go, all right. Yeah, okay. Listen to what Jesus says. Matthew 23 and verse 5. He's speaking to the Pharisees. But all their works, off the Pharisees, pardon me. But all their works they do to be seen of men. Notice they make broad their phylacteries. And enlarge the border of their garments. Notice they make broad their phylacteries and they enlarge the border of their garments. They, they enlarge the blue. God loves me more than he loves you. And you're a sinner and you can't compete with me. Do you know what you'll find, brothers and sisters? See the... Uh, forgive, uh, forgive me what I, when it says I'm not saying this in a condescending way I'm just saying it in a loving way it's just like myself see a simple soul I'm a simple soul just me do you see the simple soul who's out there laboring and working for the Lord who's witnessing and seeing souls come, come to Christ and are saved whether they're children teenagers or adults or whatever do you see them there working and laboring away uh, and souls are getting saved do you know what you're going to find see behind the scenes there's the broad phylacteries there's the broad men with broad, broad phylacteries and they're, they're, they're enlarging, the, uh, uh, pardon me, enlarging their phylacteries and they're broad, broadening their garments and their ribbon of blue. You know what they're saying? Did they come this way? Did you make them say this thing? Were they on their knees in repentance and tears and crying? Cross the T and dot the I. Isn't that true? And they haven't seen a soul saved in years. In fact, the Holy Spirit has probably been nowhere around to anoint them for a long time. Brother, sister, see if you're working for the Lord, laboring on for God. Don't you let the naysayers usually find those who tell you how to do it and what to do, when to do it. Usually find they're the ones who are doing nothing. That's what happens. They're the ones who's doing nothing. So here's what will help you, whether it's to help you with the time of weakness and sin, 
or whether it's to help you whenever you're weak and weary and frightened and anxious and all of those things. Here's what I done one time. I studied this long ago. And I thought of the, the stone of sapphire in the vision and walking on a pavement of sapphire of blue. I was walking down by the river and Harley Davidson was in swimming. He's swimming like a wee, and he makes a wee noise, like, he's like a wee tugboat coming along the river. You can hear him a mile off. Oh, here's, and we hardly comes along the, road, the river. And I'm walking along the side of the riverbank, just talking to the Lord. Nobody around for as far as the eye can see. And I was really struggling. Really struggling. I was, my heart was in my boots. I didn't know what to do next. I had so much in my heart and in my mind. I was really struggling. I couldn't even express it to my wife. I was walking along and I just studied this years ago. And I stopped and I looked and I said, Lord, where are you? The sky was completely blue. And the Lord says, as blue as the sky is above you, as vast as it is where you can see, so, son, I am with you. Every time, Every time I'm out, every time I'm feeling down or low or whatever, I look up and even if there's a little bit of blue with the big cloudy skies we have, I say, I know you're behind that. The blue's still there. You know what that tells me? He's with me. He's with you, brother. He's with you in all of it, through all of it, neither to leave you nor forsake you. Remember the commandments of the Lord and do them. What does the Lord say to you this morning? Remember me. Remember me. Remember this is my day. It's not your day. It's not your day to watch I'm a celebrity get me out of here. Or X Factor or whatever's on. It's not your day. It's not even your day to say, well, I'm just going to have it all with the family. No, he says, no, it's not your day. It's my day, he says. Bring your family. It's my day. Worship me. It's my day. Lord, are you with me? He says, as blue as the sky is and as vast as it is, I'm with you. I'm with you. There's a ribbon of blue above you. You remember that the next time? He says, remember me. God bless us this morning.